Ravencoin unite. Yes, in Ravencoin we trust. We have the legendary Tron Black with us today for the day one of T minus 30. Welcome, 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 Tron. Before we get started, I'm going to properly introduce you to the uh, day one of Twitter spaces. Here we go. Tron Black is a freedom advocate, crypto developer, entrepreneur, and founder of two startups that were sold to publicly traded companies. Tron holds a BS in computer science and a master's of business administration. Since early 2013, Tron has been working in the cryptocurrency space as a miner, developer, investor, and trader. He was one of the first five employees of T0 and helped issue the first publicly traded SEC acknowledged parallel crypto equity for Overstock.com and issued the world's first crypto bond offering. He worked for ANX International, a crypto fintech company located in Hong Kong. Tron was a principal developer for Medici Ventures, which invested in portfolio of blockchain companies including T0, Bankerus, Bit, Votes, Mines, Chainstone Labs, Ripio, Settlement, Vincent, and Spira. Tron has given away cryptocurrencies to hundreds of people in order to increase awareness of how value now moves as easily as email. He's written articles about Bitcoin, Monero, Dash, financial regulations, security tokens, STOs, and Ravencoin, and has been featured on many cryptocurrency podcast. He's the inventor on a number of patents in the crypto space and regularly gives talks on cryptocurrency topics worldwide. Tron is the current president of the Ravencoin Foundation, an advisor to T0, TUSC, WETX, Rilio.Fund, Equistart, and supporter of Raven, which is both a top cryptocurrency and a leading crypto asset platform. Welcome, Tron. Thank you. Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Thank you for being on. Day one of the T-30. This is how we're going to get going. All right. First and foremost, before we get started, how's, how's your weekend so far? Uh, so far, really good. Great weekend. Good. Relaxing. Relaxing. A lot of snow, right? Now, so it's working. Nice. Good, good, good. Good to hear. All right. Uh, okay, so there's a series of questions that I've been given to ask you here in Twitter Spaces. There's a lot of people here. Some might be new. Some might be OGs. It's a combination of a lot of things here. A lot of people are here. Welcome, everybody. And it continues to grow. All right. The first question is, and by the way, I do have my co-host, Crypto Lisa and Quothing. Uh, Crypto Lisa will be following up with the next question. First question to you, Tron, is Have you always been the lead developer of Raven? Uh, so I was the original lead developer, and it's, it's kind of iffy if I'd call myself the lead developer at this point. There's, there's some uh, really great developers that are really taking over, uh, which is great. Um, I'm still monitoring code changes. Uh, Okay. Who who else is out there doing work? 
speak. All right. Cryptalissa? So, next question is, what is Ravencoin? Uh, so, Ravencoin is an asset issuance platform. So, anyone can create their own token. Uh, and it was, a, it was derived from, uh, originally, the source code of Bitcoin. So, it has some unique properties uh, that uh, make it a better asset issuance platform. Uh, among them, though, is the strength of the Bitcoin code, uh, the ability to create your own asset with its own unique name, guaranteed, uh, to be able to create sub-assets, the ability to create unique assets. Uh, but in general, it's an asset uh, creation platform. Perfect. All right. Tron, okay, next question that uh, is kind of being overlooked, but I'm going to go ahead and reword it here, is why don't you use smart contracts on Ravencoin? Um, yeah, it was originally built uh, to do UTXO-based uh, assets. So its model uh, was derived more from uh, the likes of Counterparty, Mastercoin, um, and open assets, uh, which was building on top of with a with kind of a layer two solution on top of Bitcoin, and so the model was to basically unify those two things uh, into its own coin, and then remove some of the clunkiness that comes with uh, using Bitcoin for that, uh, which includes things like having to move like a little bit of Bitcoin with every asset, which isn't really practical um, you know like if you gave somebody an asset then not only would they need uh, you know Raven or Bitcoin in you know, case of the, the other platforms to move it as fees but you'd also have to include some with every transaction because otherwise Bitcoin would, would see it as a uh, kind of a non-transaction a useless uh, removable transaction so we kind of uh, kind of closed that gap and, and removed that clunkiness. Awesome. Lisa? What are some <clears throat> strengths of Ravencoin when it comes to handling assets? Okay. Uh, this is a great question. Love this question. Um, so I mentioned one of them before, which is the, the, the when you create an asset, when you create an asset, you get your own uh, unique name. Now, when you create something on most other platforms that you create assets, um, you get a name, uh, but it's it's usually random and generated for you. It's you know, oftentimes, especially in the case of like a an ERC twenty or something like that. The unique name part is basically forty hex characters, uh, so you don't really choose the name. Now it is almost certainly guaranteed to be unique because it's a hash of the actual contract, uh, and you can actually give it a name in some of the template contracts, like ERC twenty. You could give it a name. But someone else could create a contract and give it the same name. So 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people could have the same name. Uh, and that tends to lead to uh, some risks of spoofing of people pretending to be your asset or the asset that you've created. Someone else can create one with exactly the same name, you know, same kind of human readable name, uh, not with the, you know, that same 40-character uh, thing. So that's one, one of the useful um, things. And that's true whether you're creating uh, single assets, uh, NFTs, uh, unique assets, NFTs, or sub-assets. 
uh, under a main asset or a root asset. They all have to be unique. Uh, one of the other features that's kind of built into asset creation and was informed with by some of the work that I did early on uh, with uh, Counterparty and with Open Assets, uh, which both used uh, shortened URLs to kind of identify what the description of what the asset is supposed to be. So let's say you create an asset, um, uh, and you know, let's say you just you know you grabbed my time, M Y T I M E, right? And so it represents an hour of your time. Uh, people don't know that. I mean, it just says my time, but they don't know who that is, who created it, what it's about. They just see the name. Now, the name's guaranteed to be unique, so you have that. You know, for all time and eternity, you've got that asset name. But if someone wants to know what is this asset for, what's it about, uh, you can attach data to the asset uh, through IPFS. And IPFS is uh, sort of like a file system. It doesn't actually store the file for you, uh, but it does deliver the file for you. And uh, the more important thing, the thing that makes it work uh, really, really well with, uh, with Ravencoin is that when you add a file to IPFS, it gives you back a hash of that file. And the hash is just, you know, like it just crunches on it, crunches on the whole file, actually the contents of the file, or the contents of the folder, if you hand it on a whole folder of files, crunches on that, that and gives, gives you back a hash. That hash, uh, as long as the contents of that file don't change, that hash name, the name of the file, is not going to change, which means you can then take that hash and include it uh, when you're creating your asset. So let's say, for the example, my time, right? So you can put in, a, let's just say, a PDF, right, that describes, you know, the time of your availability, what, you know, what kind of skills you have and things that, you know, your hour of time token is worth. Uh, and you could describe that in a PDF, for example, throw that PDF file into IPFS, get back this hash, which will be this 47-character string that starts with QM, and you basically add it when you're creating the my time tokens. Now, anyone on a uh, you know on an explorer you know, like the one that Mango Farm Assets has or the uh, Ravencoin.asset-explorer.com has uh, will show you what that token represents. It will show you that PDF file, and uh, you know that that PDF file can't be tampered with, right? You can't switch from an hour of my time to let's say a minute of my time because someone just changes the the you know, the, the PDF. Uh, file, for example, and that's because if they change the PDF, then it gets a different hash, a different name, and it wouldn't be referenced by uh, by the by the token itself as the metadata. Uh, so that that's one of the you know I would I would say unique names, uh, IPFS, kind of resolving unique names, you know, sort of this DNS-like registration system, uh, so that everybody gets a unique name. Uh, I think those are some really, really valuable uh, features of Ravencoin that, that set it apart uh, from some of the other asset creation platforms. Perfect, perfect. All right, so we all know, or we know that Ravencoin is a proof-of-work algorithm. It is fairly, fairly launched, right? Uh, the, the, the confusing question uh, that some people might uh not quite understand it might need some clarity is is ravencoin a security okay um let me first uh describe what a security is and why it matters uh, a security is basically an investment contract it's a promise and back in the 1933 uh specifically the u.s government 
uh, decided that, and it was 33, 34, decided that uh, investment contract needed uh, governmental protection, right? So the people who were investing in investment contracts uh, needed protection. And so the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, was formed to uh, protect people who are investing in an investment contract. An investment contract is where you pay money and then someone else promises, that's the uh, contract part, uh, to uh, do something, whether it's, uh, you know, in many cases, it's, uh, you know, give you a share of the company, for example. Um, so that would be an investment contract. And uh, over the years, you know, that got tested in court and things, and now there's a, there's a test for that uh, called the Howey test. There's a couple of other court cases that kind of, like, narrowed it down. So how do you know something's an investment contract? It's basically where uh, if you pay money and uh, the other people are promising something, so there's like a group, and you're pooling the investment, so you're kind of collectively putting it in together with other people, and there's an expectation of profit, uh, then that would make something a security. Uh, and so we have these laws, and they're now being applied to investment contracts where someone basically creates a token and creates a promise. Uh, most people are familiar with this. If you've been in the industry for about four years or so, are probably most familiar with uh, what they called ICOs, right? That was an initial coin offering. And it would essentially be a white paper, hey, we promised to do this, and here's our token, and so you get to buy a share of this idea we've written down in this white paper, and uh, you, know, you give us money, right? whether it was credit card or whether it was some Ethereum or some Bitcoin or something. You give us money or value of some sort, and we'll give you one of our tokens, and then you're kind of a part participant or owner in this idea that we've put in the white paper. So that pretty much is an investment contract, right? People are pooling money together. The, well, the white paper is kind of what they promise to do. Um, there's kind of an expectation of profit, which is why you're investing in this. Um, now, you can separate that, you know, if the token was a utility, like, hey, this token is more like a, uh, like a, like a, um, a token for a, a vending machine or a token like a um, Chuck E. Cheese uh, token, you know, that you can go play a game with. Uh, but in most cases, uh, the, um, you know, these projects weren't built. They were white papers, uh, which means that, that it is going to rely on the effort of others to kind of construct this or whatever. Um, so ICOs uh, were likely investment contracts and likely securities uh, you know, and so then, then and so they kind of came down on a bunch of these projects that were mostly in, uh, issued in 2017 and 2018 including some of the you know we'll call them platforms that kind of compete with Ravencoin uh, where they basically raised a lot of money in order to to uh, create these platforms the problem was uh, that those were securities at the time that they were uh, you know the, the investment contract was the was the promise and then they took the payment and things like that uh, so one thing that distinguishes Ravencoin from some of these other projects uh, that, that took money uh, was we didn't take any money uh, the, the platform was built uh, using the funds from uh, kind of overstock to Medici Ventures which is the venture firm or venture arm of overstock.com and the team uh, that developed it uh, was, uh, you know, which included myself and some other great people, uh, was, um, it was all paid, you know, 
salary by Medici Ventures. And then when it launched, uh, we did not take any coins and, you know, or tokens or Raven initially and say, hey, okay, these belong, you know, we built this thing, so hey, we're going to hold these or whatever. Uh, there was none of that, right? So, so the, you know, block, block one, uh, the, the tokens were available uh, for anyone to mine. And so day one, uh, everybody had the opportunity to get them, and there wasn't a big uh, bucket of tokens uh, that that was uh, you know sitting there for the development team or for future development or whatever. Um, and so that made uh, Ravencoin somewhat unique. Uh, and you know, I credit uh, Bruce Fenton for kind of having the foresight to know that you know th these ICOs were kind of an issue, at least in the U.S. Um, I don't necessarily agree with with all the rules, and you know, necessarily think that that we should have those rules, uh, but we do have them. And uh, credit Bruce for kind of steering us clear from, from that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, to get on exchanges, uh, it's actually much better, much easier, uh, because crypto exchanges uh, will have requirements that they don't uh, put on securities, because that makes them a securities exchange, and that puts a whole bunch of burdens around them. And so uh, it made it easier, but some of the exchanges like Bittrex and things, uh, Finance US needed a document that said, hey, this is not a security. And so we have one of those. If, if you go to the Raven Wiki, uh, that's been published. And, and you know, appreciation to uh, Mango Farm for you know, producing that initially. And we had raised some funds for doing that. So we still have a legal fund uh, if we need it, uh, which is uh, secured and stored safely. And, uh, and it's because uh, that the, the, that document was done for writing a document like that. And we have that document without uh, anyone taking any money for writing that document, which is awesome. Uh, and so Ravencoin is not a security. Now, with that said, uh, and knowing what you now know about securities, uh, you just need to be careful that um, if you are creating a token that is a security, which is fine, you can totally do that, uh, you just need to make sure that you're, you're offering it under an exemption. Uh, and an exemption would be something like Reg D, selling it to rich, wealthy people under, uh, you know, that are called accredited, or that they're outside the U.S., that's Reg S, uh, or there's Reg A, Reg A+, plus, or Reg CF, which is a great one. Uh, Reg CF is relatively new, and it's Reg Crowd, stands for Reg Crowd Fund, and it allows you to actually sell tokens to retail investors, meaning to anybody. Uh, they just have to be listed with a kind of a legitimate CF platform, which is, I think that you have to be a broker to, to run one of those platforms. Um, but, you know, absolutely possible, and you can sell to people who are in the U.S. So you can create on Ravencoin a security, uh, and and it's totally legit. You just need to kind of check and make sure that you're doing it kind of uh, legally under the U.S. law, if you're selling to U.S. people at all. That's a long-winded explanation, but hopefully <laughs> that clears it up. Yes, thank you. No, thank you. That, that kind of clarification is always good, especially when we're coming into legal ramifications. That's what's necessary. So thank you for diving into that so deeply. Um, so since we are on the security token talk, um, do you know some of the other cryptocurrency um, in that space? token uh, could be a security token platform. Uh, most of them are smart
our contract platforms. I'm going to cough one second. Sorry about that. Uh, most of them are uh, smart contract platforms. So you have uh, Solana, EOS, Ethereum, uh, Phantom. Uh, yeah, there's other ones. That most most of them are, are EVM, meaning Ethereum Virtual Machine. They use the same Ethereum code. And then they use a template a contract uh, called ERC-20, which allows you to create a token name with a 40-character kind of random name, right? That, that's, that is unique, but, you know, it's just, I mean, it's, it's the letters, you know, digits 0 through 9 and letters A through F, right? It's just, it's just X, whatever comes out of the hash. Uh, and then uh, you can put a name on it, but that name's not necessarily going to be unique. Uh, and so it, it doesn't have the same uh, same kind of capabilities or features that Ravencoin assets have. Now they can build some of that on top. They can put, uh, you know, I mentioned IPFS. They can they can do that, or they can put in Bitly links like the old with the old platforms and things like that. Um, but these uh, these smart contracts uh, are not really custom designed or built for assets, uh, but they're fairly popular. Um, so there's it's mostly mostly those. I think there are some other ones out there that, that have some built-in uh, asset capabilities. Um, now, whether it's a security, not the same rules as as a as a Ravencoin uh, token. Um, you know, which platform you use doesn't doesn't really tell it whether it's you know it doesn't make it a security or not a security. Uh, but since we're talking about securities, I do want to mention uh, one specific type of asset that Ravencoin has that. You can build something, uh, we'll call it similar, on other platforms, uh, but you're going to increase your cost significantly uh, when you use it, when you transfer it. Uh, so we have what's called restricted assets, and these came in, we got we added these after uh, the regular assets, you know, the ones you create uh, normally, uh, and they're called restricted assets, and they always start with a dollar sign. So the name will always have a dollar sign as the very first character. And then the rules for the naming after that are the same. It has to be unique, etc. And then if you own one of the tokens, uh, then you have first rights to well, you, you have the rights actually to create the, the, the one with the same name with the dollar sign. And the difference on these restricted assets is you can uh, you can leave them so that they can transfer to any address, uh, and you can do that just by setting the rules to true. If you set the rule to true, it transfers around just like the other assets. It also has a couple of other, uh, we'll call them, we'll call them features for the purpose of, of uh, securities, um, and that is uh, you can actually freeze them. You as the owner issuer, meaning you have the owner issuer token, uh, meaning the same name with an exclamation mark at the bottom, and you own that. Uh, you have the ability to freeze them uh, into an address. Like if someone you could say, I want to just freeze that one in place, uh, and again, you're the creator. And not all assets work like this, right? Most of them work just like Bitcoin and move around wherever. But these restricted assets, uh, the owner has the ability to basically freeze them in place or freeze all trading, all movement. Um, this actually was informed by some rules that came out um, around security tokens. And they said, hey, you know, if, we're, if you're going to use these for securities, you have to be able to like freeze them in place or, or seize them. Um, and we saw the, the, that seizing them was so outlandish and ridiculous for a blockchain to be able to see something because something could be literally in cold storage of an exchange 
and if you seize it, they wouldn't even know that happened. So he said, you know, if it gets really gets to that point where you have to actually seize it, take it away from somebody, not just freeze it in place and mark it as like used or, or not, you know, not not uh, viable for exchange or something for you know for redemption, uh, then then really blockchain becomes pretty much worthless for securities. Uh, so we, we left it at freeze, uh, not seize, and then uh, they also have the ability you can set rules up. Uh, you can set a rule for the token that you created, these restricted assets, and you can say they only move to addresses that have these tags. And you get to decide what the tags are, right? You can, you can come up with your own tag names. Um, we have, uh, there's tags, that you, like a, let's say you did a, a KYC tag, a tag for being accredited, and you can tell it, you can make it so that your token only moves to addresses that are tagged, and they, whether they're tagged by you as the issuer, like you're the one tagging them, or if there's another entity that's tagging them. Uh, we, we've worked with some other entities to, uh, to be able to do that type of thing, uh, you know, write the code for them, and, and it actually did a proof of concept and test so that uh, they can do uh, KYC and actually tag somebody with like a KYC uh, type tag. And then your token can be limited to only moving amongst the addresses that are KYC or accredited. And you, you actually have logic. You can say KYC and accredited in parentheses, or reg S, which means they're outside the U.S. and they don't have to follow those particular rules, etc. So you have some logic uh, for that. Uh, and those are super useful for uh, you know for doing securities if you need them to kind of both be in the hands of someone who can send it peer to peer, but also follow the rules so as the issuer uh, you're compliant. Um, and that that's all built in. Um, and then the reason that doesn't work as well uh, on uh, there's a ERC. Ethereum, something, ERC, uh, that will uh, allow you to do something similar called whitelisting, where you can put in every address that's allowed to, to handle this token or allowed to receive this token. And the downside to that is as you add more addresses, whitelist more addresses, those addresses both cost uh, to add to the smart contract. You have to pay to basically have the, the Ethereum network store that address. And then also, it costs more and more to check. The longer that list goes, the more kind of like cycles that, that all the Ethereum EVMs are going to use, and the more gas you'll pay to kind of make sure uh, that that's valid. And it gets even a little bit worse in that if it if it goes through all of the whitelisted addresses that's not there, that's like worst case scenario. It's like it's checking each one, every one, like check next one, next, 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 and can use up a lot of gas fees. Um, so. Anyway, just wanted to throw that out there while we're talking about security tokens. Wow, John. Well, you you basically answered all the questions that I have on my list. So uh, that's pretty much the show, everybody. Thank you for participating. <laughs> <laughs> no, so thank you, everybody. We have about a hundred plus partic- uh, listeners in right now. That's that's a a lot, John. They wanted to hear from you today for sure. That's okay. great. Thank, thanks, everybody, for for showing up. I appreciate it. Okay, so here's here's a here's a good question um, that I actually don't know the answer to. So I want to see maybe you might know the answer. We're putting you on hot chair now. Right. The question is, what happens to the assets when there's a fork? Ooh, that's a great question. Okay, uh, so let me start by explaining a fork. Uh, a fork is is when the chain diverges. So uh, everybody knows what a blockchain is, right? It's just a chain of blocks. Each block has a whole bunch of transactions that move, you know, that create the assets, that move the assets, et cetera, and it's a chain. It's a linear chain, right? So it's 
it's the, the, the blocks are numbered, right? From block zero, block one, block two, block three. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we hit the happening, we'll be at, uh, I think, 2.1 million blocks, right? So it's just a chain of, of blocks. And it's, you know, it's kind of approaching that 2.1 million uh, blocks. So uh, a fork is when uh, there's an invalid transaction uh, where half the network, or, or even if one, well, let me, let me start with this. If you can create a fork yourself, and the way you would do that is you would download the code and you would change the rules to be maybe a little more lax, you know, to basically allow something you want to allow, and you build it and you run it on your machine. But you're the only one that allows that thing that you just made more lax. Um, and so you uh, maybe maybe you make a change that says, hey, I get uh, 10,000 Raven when I mine. And, and you can do that. You can do that on your machine, right? And so you mine a block and you at 10,000 Raven, and your code you wrote and you changed or you tweaked allows it. But when you broadcast that block, every other node on the network is going to go, wait a minute, no, 5,000 is the limit, uh, you know, 5,000 block reward, so we're going to reject this block. And so from that point on, you're on your own chain, right? Because you have this invalid block that nobody else is going to connect to. Now, if you get a few other people to kind of work with you and do that same kind of thing, you can start building on top of it, you know, they run your code, right, that allows 10,000, now they've got, you know, they, they're making blocks, and now it's the two of you, right, and, and, and so now you're completely on your own chain. Uh, that's a fork, and it's completely different, and the rest of the world will ignore it, um, because, you know, they, they didn't make those same code changes. So one person can make a fork, you know, two people can make a fork, you know, and, and so the only real, real danger is if there's a fork that's either uh, accidentally creates that problem, which we hope never happens, uh, and all of a sudden it's like diverging, and so two different there's two different networks basically at that point. Uh, and the really important part for this is that everybody does need to agree which at where the assets are on which fork. Um, and so, you know, if, if you know if it's a legal issue, you probably could say something. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna honor the code that's you know that that is the longest chain and is you know, let's say signed by the Ravencoin Foundation. You know, the where the Windows binary is signed by the Ravencoin Foundation, and that way you know you kind of have a like a de facto we're we're following this one. Um, so that that's kind of a like a accidental fork or if something you know, or if there was a disagreement like two. Uh, you know, the code's all open source, right? So if half the community says, hey, we want to do this, um, they could go their own way and change the rules. And if one half uh, did one thing, one half did the other, uh, you know, that, that's kind of the worst case scenario because it's like, which half do you, do you, um, you know, honors the assets? And it's really going to be uh, whatever, whatever code that that person that's getting the assets is running, right? Because um, if you send it and it's not on a different network, it actually won't transfer on your network. Um, so that, that's one issue. And let's talk about a uh, friendly fork. Um, well, let's talk about an unfriendly fork. So I think we have had like a Ravencoin Classic. I think they reset the assets. Basically, they just said, hey, none of the assets up until the point where we've created this Ravencoin Classic. Uh, they just said new date for counting where the assets are. So that's one way. That's sort of a half-friendly fork, and there can also be a really friendly fork, uh, but, but any really friendly fork would basically just completely reset the assets, would, would say, hey, starting, you know, this date of the fork, 
we're going to start allowing assets to be created and, and then that way there wouldn't be an overlap right you'd have either the asset on this on raven or on this other you know on this other project um, so hopefully that answers the question i mean the same thing happens with with uh potentially with raven the same thing has happened with bitcoin if you're not familiar with the you know block wars uh, back in 2015 there was uh there was a, a split and it was a a managed split. I don't know if it was, we'd call it a friendly split, but it was a managed split. So uh, everybody who had Bitcoin on a certain date also had uh, also had Bitcoin Cash. Let me, let me ask a, a follow-up question on that real quick. Um, so when there's a fork going on, uh, say, for example, we uh, Leon Ravencoin tweeted uh, some breaking news that Montenegro Group, backed by the European Union, launched the digital euro on the Ravencoin blockchain. Now there is officially the stablecoin, uh, the Purper stablecoin on Ravencoin. Now, as of right now, they're technically on the main chain. Now let's say that there is a fork, some other, uh, you know, a group decides that they want a fork and they recognize the stablecoin. They said, hey, we're gonna accept it. That's, I would consider that uh, phantom fiat. Thank you. What's so. up? Um, give me one second. They didn't expect you to ask a follow-up question. Um, so, Tron, what companies are currently using Ravencoin, if any? Yeah, so uh, that's a pretty big list. Um, I can name a you um, kind of off the top of my head. If you want more of a, a you know a larger list, I don't think you'll find a, an absolute like complete list other than maybe look through all the assets that are that are on the explore. Uh, but there's uh, the Raven Wiki has a pretty solid list. Um, but uh, I'll give you a few. Uh, uh, Vincent is using it for uh, wine futures. This is wine that's uh, in the barrels that uh, they know how much wine there's going to be bottled. And so they tokenize uh, wine, uh, you know, bottles of wine that, that can be redeemed later uh, when it's ready to drink. Uh, Tanag Island Resorts uh, security uh, basically represents uh, shares of, of a project uh, an island in the Philippines. Um, DigiShares is is, uh, is starting to issue uh, real estate uh, tokens. Uh, so there's a project um, from Hydra. Hydra chain uh, that is going to be tokenizing uh, real estate that, that has uh, rental real estate basically, so it will have a uh, you know a return on it. Uh, there's lots and lots of NFTs, uh, so if you haven't looked at those, uh, easiest way uh, to to do that is to go to Ravencoin.foundation, and there's a uh, there's a big ugly footer at the bottom, and there's an NFT section, and there's uh, 
lots of NFT producers, uh, creators, artists, and I think there's at least three uh, uh, marketplaces for uh, NFTs that are created on Ravencoin. Um, the purple one's kind of really exciting. Uh, that's the one you were just referencing, stablecoin, Euro stablecoin. Uh, there's also uh, artists that uh, do certificates of authenticity for their art. So it's not necessarily that you, you own a share of the art, uh, but that you uh, know that the art was uh, originally from them. It comes with, with that. There's also, I just received the other day, a beautiful, very beautiful wood, uh, black uh, wood that was created with, you know, uh, by an artist. Uh, it has different wood inlays and stuff, and, and it, it also came with the ability to tokenize uh, kind of a certificate of authenticity that goes with that. Um, sitting, actually sitting here by me. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's lots and lots of other projects. Um, you know, the best way is probably to look at the, look at the, the wiki uh, to see which ones are, which ones are active. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Tron. So I'm going to ask one more question. Uh, one of our pre-selected questions that we have here. I'm going to pass the mic over to CryptoLisa to see if she has any questions, and then Quothing to see if he has any questions that he's he's collected from the community. Now, for the 100-plus listeners that we currently have here with us, if you would like to ask Tron a question, go ahead and push that request button now. All right? Tron, the last question that I have here on my list is, can you tell us about the Ravencoin Foundation and what it's doing for the Ravencoin community? kind of an offshoot of the original development team. So if you're not familiar, uh, I mentioned earlier that, the, that Ravencoin was created under Medici Ventures. Uh, there was a team. Uh, Medici Ventures became a uh, just a, a financial fund, meaning uh, there, there was a team of, I don't know, it was like 80 people or something like that, that, that basically uh, they let, them, let the developers go or some got absorbed back into Overstock. Uh, but they were, um, they would, you know, people there would help out the other projects that Medici was, would invest in. Um, there was 18 other projects that, uh, or more that, that Medici was investing in, but Ravencoin was an outlier. It uh, wasn't a company, never has been a company, just a project. It's an open source project. Uh, so and I'm Yeah. Uh, so it's, it was an open source project, and the... Medici was going away, effectively, just becoming a fund that basically held stock. And so the uh, Overstock or Medici said, well, let's help Ravencoin and we'll move uh, the stuff that the team was doing uh, into the foundation. And so Medici provided some funds uh, first year, uh, some uh, fiat funds uh, for the first year. And then also uh, some of the legal funds, uh, legal fund that was created, I mentioned that earlier, uh, for, for you know, doing a security thing, and then all, uh, doing the whether uh, a report for whether Raven was a security. Those never got used, so that got moved into the foundation. And then also we'd raised funds for uh, security audits, and so that got moved into the foundation. And then some other projects, uh, we 
raised funds for those uh, for some bounties. And yeah, so like that, that got moved into the and foundation. So and then also we'd raised funds for, for uh, security audits. And so that got moved into the foundation. And then some other projects, we raised funds for those for some bounties and things like that. And so that's ongoing. There's currently a bounty out there for uh, building uh, uh, mineable assets. Um, a lot of the other ones are have, have been taken or fulfilled and, and complete. Uh, and then there's also other projects that people say, hey, we'll do this for this amount. Uh, and, and so examples of that is there's two other stablecoin uh, proposals. Basically, the foundation is basically paying uh, a little, some to AWS, some to, to uh, Google Cloud, and some to DigitalOcean, and running basically running nodes and, and uh, explorers, and then also monitoring the ecosystem. So we were basically paying to to uh, not very much; it's like you know, twelve dollars a month, but to basically ping the various sites that are out there uh, and just make sure that, that everything's up and running. That includes uh, pools and nodes. Uh, the, the swap exchanges and the trading sites and things like that. So we're just kind of monitoring that, that all of that's up and running. Uh, if you go to status.ravencoin.foundation, you can see the status of kind of everything that's running and how and see its uptimes and things like that. Uh, and then we also have the signing keys uh, for um, we have a new binary. Uh, we can sign the Windows binary with the signing key. Um, and then uh, kind of monitoring the, the code uh, that's that's there and, and, and uh, monitoring the, the GitHub. That's, that's pretty much it. Perfect. Thank you. So I'm going to go ahead and pass over the mic to Crypto Lissa to see if she has any questions. Uh, and when you're done, Lissa, can you pass the mic over to Quothing? And then once Quothing is done, we're going to open it up to the community to ask the questions. And trust me, Tron, you better be ready. They're coming with those questions. <laughs> All right, Crypto Lissa, go ahead. Thanks, John, for, for being a part of this. This is huge for us. 
this is something that we've been kind of planning on for the past couple weeks, so it's been huge to, to have this turnout. Um, just want to take the time for that. But um, something I think that would be worth asking you over, some community members that are not here, um, I got one It said, can you see an issue for the burning of Raven being self-imploding when you're creating assets, being that, let's say, that everybody wanted to create an asset, would that potentially implode uh, the, the supply? Okay. Um, yeah, so, so I, I don't see that as a, as a big concern. So Ravencoin doesn't have infinite capacity, right? No, no blockchain does. You're already seeing uh, Ethereum kind of bump up against its limits. Um, some, some of the chains have more capacity than others. Uh, you know, we have about 20x uh, Bitcoin's capacity currently, and it could probably uh, double again with a, you know, with a pretty easy, but you know, it'd be a change that would have to be a, uh, you know, that everybody agreed to. Um, but I also, I also see it more like um, uh, it's if everybody wanted to create, I mean, everybody wanted to create their own asset. Uh, there just probably isn't that kind of capacity for the chain. Uh, and so as more and more people use it, it would, it would get more and more expensive to, to use, and it would kind of self-level at the level at which those two kind of like competing forces uh, balance out. Thank you. With, thank you. One, one, more, one, one more thing. With that said, if it turns out that there's plenty of capacity, what everybody wanted to do was just create their own unique name, and they're not like flying around everywhere, like actually using up, you know, using up all the the chain and the fees haven't gone haywire and things like like Ethereum. It is possible uh, to change it. It's not, you know, the numbers are not magic. Um, so you know, if everybody kind of agrees that, oh yeah, no, it should be, bur- we should be burning less than this now that Ravens, you know, a dollar or ten dollars or whatever. Um, then uh, that again is a, is a change that you know as long as everybody's kind of agreeable to it, uh, it you know it can be changed. But it, it, it would be really uh, you know a lot of people might say, hey, you know I, I think you know this is great that it you know takes still more to burn and it's getting more expensive and you know there, there's a lot of people with like that aspect of, of the of the you know of the tokenomics of Raven Clean. Thank you. Yeah, that's a that's a great thing. I, I think that that's been a a talk inside of the Ravencoin community for a long time, but with us having newer people here, people who've never been introduced to Ravencoin, uh, that's a really important aspect of, of people and potential uh, potential use case. The last yep. question that I have that I think would be, uh, in my mind, I saw this as a really important one. Uh, would you see the potential of adopting the Lightning Network into the Ravencoin blockchain if we got to the point where we were establishing tokenization of stocks and it was something that was landing on T0, would we see something like that happen for free, high frequency trading and settlement? Yes. Uh, so it's absolutely possible uh, because of the nature of, of Ravencoin and doing, uh, you know, it's being a UTXO model, etc. It definitely has that capability. Uh, the only thing that we need to do is make sure that the, the um, the signature malleability has either been solved or is solved before we build lightning on top of it. But uh, yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Thank you. Thank you.
Well, that, that's the last of the questions that I had. I know that I, uh, I added up Hoser here first, so if Hoser has a good question, go ahead, and if anybody else has questions, please go ahead and request uh, to speak, and I'll be, I'll be happy to add you in here. Well, uh, hello, everybody. Uh, first off, um, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to talk and ask, a, ask two questions, actually. Uh, I have two questions for you. One of them is longer than the other. You want the shorter one first, or the longer one first? Either one. <laughs> All right. Um, actually, I'll start. With, I'll start with a uh, longer one. Uh, this question I asked coding yesterday, actually. Um, it's kind of long. With the having of right Raven, I know the supply of Raven will go down as a result. The price of it will definitely go up by the simple economy theory, right? But can we still expect Raven? Going to rise in the long run, given given the upcoming upgrade of Ethereum, because having a Raven will reduce the profit for the Raven miners if the price of Raven doesn't. <gasps> oh no! system on a daily basis, right, will be cut in half. I don't know the ratio of people who are, you know, if all the miners are just holding and aren't selling, then there was no real selling pressure from that anyway. But if most of the miners are just economic actors saying, hey, I just, you know, whatever I mine, I sell. I just, you know, I pay my electricity and I take it and I use, you know, I use the, you know, the cash and go buy hamburgers or whatever. of people just selling the raven versus holding the raven. If everybody's selling the raven, uh, then it will cut the amount of selling pressure in half, right? That's being just sold into the market uh, on exchanges. I don't think it's all, I don't think it's everybody that's doing that, but uh, some percentage. So it's really going to depend on the ratio of holding to sellers. Uh, and that, that downward pressure uh, from selling not be cut in half, but will be uh, decreased. And so that's a competing pressure, uh, right? If every, there's still the same amount of demand for Raven, and there's less uh, Raven coming in that's, you know, that's supply that's being sold, uh, that's going to change the, you know, that, that's what the price is set by. It's basically supply and demand. Uh, and the supply is going to be cut in half. Um, maybe not completely in half, depending on how many people are holding, if that makes sense. Um, but I'm not sure, I'm not sure what's going to happen. We've seen this happen multiple times. Uh, this isn't, you know, this isn't a new experiment. It's, it's, you know, uh, you know the Litecoin's gone through this multiple times. Bitcoin's gone through this multiple times. Um, in general, the price uh, has gone up to kind of offset it, uh, but that, you know, it's not, it's not a, a guarantee. Uh, the, the guarantee is that the supply coming in, uh, it will, will cut in half. Uh, that, that's oftentimes the selling pressure. Hopefully that answers the question partially. Uh, 
you. Thank you so much. And another question. It's a pretty short question. I know a lot of people who are listening and listening to this live space um, are NFT artists. And I know you guys want to ask the same question. Are there any, how do I say, um, comparative advantages, benefits of making NFTs with Ravencoin compared to Ethereum on like OpenSea or any other platforms? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I can tell you that the, the big uh, benefit over Ethereum at least is, is I mean, the fees are uh, you know insane, uh, both for creation and uh, transfers, subsequent transfers uh, on Ethereum. Uh, so Ethereum does have some uh, some marketplaces, kind of automated marketplaces, as well as like an OpenSea marketplace. We have uh, three marketplaces. Uh, there's a Ravensea marketplace, uh, which you know intends to be similar to, to the, the, the other one on Ethereum. Um, the other advantage uh, I think is again the unique name uh, that you can get for your NFT, right? So the, every NFT that you create will have a guaranteed unique name. The other advantage I think is that when you create an NFT or what we call a unique asset or did call a unique asset, but an NFT, uh, you create it under either a root asset or a root asset and a sub asset. Uh, that is the uh, provenance. That's that's where the NFT came from. Uh, I know there's been a little bit of uh, pushback and say, hey, you know, why can't we create one, uh, you know, just for five Raven without creating a root asset? The root asset is, is important uh, because it's the provenance. It's where this NFT came from, who created it, uh, you know, what part, what collection is it from? If you do a root asset and a sub-asset, it should be a collection. Um, you get that information right in the unique, guaranteed, unique name, and I think that's a big advantage. Um, and I know uh, some of the other NFT platforms are using IPFS, right? But we do have IPFS as sort of built in and, and uh, kind of native to Ravencoin uh, in the sense that there's explorers out there, asset explorers, that will automatically show the, the uh, IPFS hash that goes along with, with uh, any asset. Um, and so that's sort of an advantage, too, that this metadata uh, isn't just you know, kind of reliant on the the ERC-721 contract, it's kind of built into kind of all Ravencoin assets. So those, those are some of the advantages. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I think that um, cleared all the questions I had in my head. Uh, that's all the questions that I have, actually. Thank you so much. I'll, um, and I appreciate everyone for um, hosting this space. I really, I'm really learning a lot from, from this space. Thank you so much, everyone. Those are some good questions, dude. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, Marcazano, you were up next. I do want to just give one thing of attention real quick. Uh, well, there's a bunch of giveaways going on in these pinned tweets that are up at the top. If you guys haven't paid attention to them yet, make sure to do that because there's a bunch of cool NFTs being given away, including uh, the white paper that was redesigned by some of the community members. So please, 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 please enter in. Um, go ahead, Marcazano. The floor is yours, my man. Thank you. Greetings. My name is Marcus Onodraconis, and I'm a content creator to help people understand how to understand the theory behind crypto. There's one thing that I've been pondering in the back of my mind, and that is how to develop on top of Ravencoin assets. I understand the concept of creating a main asset, a sub-asset, and a unique asset, um, but from a programmatic standpoint, um, how to develop beyond that to create 
something like, I guess I'm kind of sort of streaming for ideas on like, do I create my own ecosystem? Um, I know NFTs are mostly applied to art, but I feel like there's something more that can be done with this and leveraged that I'm just not seeing yet. I'm just kind of wondering if, um, Tron, if you have any ideas or anything you've seen as far as developing an ecosystem on top of assets is concerned. Gotcha. Uh, so I, I would say that you know, in general, that if, if you go to the Ravencoin Foundation footer, you know that that is the Ravencoin. You know, it's not maybe probably isn't complete, but it but it's largely the Ravencoin asset ecosystem. Um, there are multiple asset uh, or multiple NFT platform uh, like uh, marketplaces, uh, and then if you want to build on top of that, meaning use the native capabilities that are in Ravencoin, uh, it has a full RPC set, right? So you can talk to Ravencoin node, specifically your node, right? You can set up a username and password, you can put it on the back end, and you can communicate with the, with the node uh, or build layers on top of it, like some of the explorers and things like that, you know, that are talking to the node all the time and kind of keeping a database up to date and things like that. Um, so it has a full programming API set that comes with it, right? If you go into debug, into the QT and go into the, the to debug, you can hit help and you can see all the commands you can, you can list there. And, and, and it's all the ones that were in Bitcoin plus, you know, a whole bunch that are kind of related to, to assets. Um, beyond that, I mean, there's been talk about, you know, using uh, NFTs uh, in a game uh, you know, game type environments where the NFT, uh, you know, 3D objects can, you know, transfer across games and things like that. Those are things that would need to be built uh, on top of, uh, on top of Ravencoin, where you know, where the, where there's you know, servers sitting there talking to the nodes and and you know, keeping a database up to date and things like that, and people you know, can can scale and things like that to, to handle multiple games and stuff like that. To my knowledge, that hasn't been built yet, but it's certainly uh, you know, something that, that could be built. Okay, sounds good. And somebody else has given me some ideas on that, so I really appreciate that. Thank you so much to Blockchain John. Blockchain John, I really appreciate you putting these together. Uh, I was also listening in on the um, interview that you guys did um, the other day. I thought that was really informative and really helpful, so thank you for putting that together. And also, thank you for putting the bug in Tron's ear to get him to come in front of the crew and actually talk to the Ravencoin community itself. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks, Blockchain John. Thanks, guys. Cheers. So I'd like to ask a question. Um, when it comes to NFT symbolism as a uh, um, representational device on um, internet-enabled clothing, because we've seen that, actually. It's like the first time that I've seen uh, this last year, in, 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 in during the Miami conference, it's the first time that I saw um, an NFT registered image being displayed on a hat. You know, like it. Oh man, what's the movie? It's like. Um, How about this? Can I help you out? Uh, what's what's the question you want to try to ask uh, Tron here? Well, I'm, 
two questions. One, one of them is, is like, what is the representational value of um, claiming um, an image on a chain? And the other question is, what is the... traditional shareholder democracy what happens during a bank bankruptcy proceeding let's say you were at like jc penny last year and the common stock went from like uh a, you know 13 dollars to 50 cents and you're employed there the company's gone bankrupt still have voting stock in what the company should do after it bankruptcy proceedings. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, yeah, so I, so I don't think uh, tokenization necessarily changes the legal aspects of it. It does prevent uh, tampering because uh, it's sort of a counterfeit proof, counterfeit resistant uh, technology, which certainly uh, yeah, I mean, th that much is obvious, but, like, none, none of the none of the people that I've seen in the last couple of Twitter spaces that I've watched actually address the notion of, like, the shareholder democracy yeah. portion of, 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 of like, 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 look, like, what happens when, like, a DAO goes bankrupt? Are the creditors going to come in and say, well, yeah, the token is worth zero, but it's yep. So I'm going to separate. I'm going to separate the DAO a little bit from what, what's happening on Ravencoin because Raven, Ravencoin is tokenization, uh, which you know, represents potentially shares. Uh, again, that makes it a security. But uh, a DAO is a little bit different animal. It's usually smart contract based. Uh, you know, may have uh, voting and things like that. And I don't think the legal. I agree with you. I mean, I don't think the legal stuff has been sorted out on those things uh, yet. Um, so I, I would, I would right. uh, tokenization on Ravencoin uh, to a uh, a very, very well managed cap table, uh, where that's usually just a spreadsheet in the back office of some attorney's office. So they uh, can't go bankrupt, right? Oh, it doesn't keep doesn't keep a company from going bankrupt. All it does is show that uh, you know, you'll have a permanent and visible record of addresses that own the shares where sure. anyone who has the private keys for that can can digitally prove by basically signing them over or signing something for that address to show that they're the, the rightful owner to it. Totally. Yeah. Right. And I've, got, I've, got, I've got nothing against that. The, the, the thing that worries me, um, and I have, I have no Raven coin, by the way, my crypto background is this just that like I mined a bunch of Dogecoin in like 2013 bought into the Ethereum pre-sale and lost my password no no um and my my only remaining interest in it right now is in the ISO um 2022 tokens like XLM and Ripple and whatnot. Mm -hmm. 
That being said, um, I don't see how um, Dow's equities, which they really are. Um, yeah, again, I can't perpetuate the same sort of like equity structure system that we've had in the United States where um, bankruptcies um, tend to transfer all the equity of the companies yeah. to the workers when they go when they go bust if they ever do and that, that, that was actually the, like the the revolutionary financial idea of the United States <clears throat> that made us kind of um, acceptable from from you know the pension holders from Sweden and yeah. In Germany and whatnot, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think DAOs are a little bit different. I mean, they, they typically support contracts that have a little bit kind of more stuff that you know can be automated within them. Uh, I, I wouldn't classify uh, tokenizing uh, you know equity on Ravencoin, which you can absolutely do. But I wouldn't I wouldn't classify that as a DAO at all. I'd classify it as a really, really, really good cap table management system. I see. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so the question that I still have is then is like, all right, um, on the on, on Ravencoin, which I hold no of, um, who are the investors? Like, what, like what happens if like? Well, it's uh, not a, it's not a company, right? So, so there are no investors. So, so you may be thinking more like a, a, you know, a Ripple or something like that, where they did take money, right? That was a. That was a security offering, at least initially, right? Even if you don't classify it as a, as a security now, it's, a, it's an operating token. Uh, yeah. But initially, right, it was, it was a promise to build it, and, and they, they took money. Um, yeah, and Ravencoin just doesn't have that overhang. It's not a company. Uh, and so all the Raven uh, were mined into existence, and they're you know, spread all, all over the world wherever those people have you know, mined or, or sold them. So it's, but, it's a little bit yeah. different that exist in a good way. Yeah, I mean, like, my only question is about it, like, um, how the liquidation process goes, if it has to. I'm not saying it will. I'm not, like, a perma-bearer on, on, on Raven token. But, like, in, in the case that that happens, it's just, like, um, who inherits the debt or structure or does that even exist it, does, it doesn't exist right so i mean there is there is no it, it isn't equity it's a it's a commodity right it's, it's like bitcoin there is no legally no, yeah 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 you're not you know you're not buying a share of a company right it's, it's almost like you're invested in the success of a protocol like like if, if you had been able to invest in the success of http before it was built it's a little bit like that right so a uh, little bit different animal. Perfect, Germ Games. Thank you. Thanks for the questions. That was actually really good questions. You're welcome. I'm happy to contribute. All right, cool thing. Who do we have next? Uh, may I start? Go ahead. Yeah, it looks like uh, you'll head. Okay, thank you. Uh, first of all, it's an honor to ask a question to you, Tron. I'm a very enthusiastic Ravencoin supporter from Korea. Well, it's an honor to be here with you guys. 
I told you, Tron, get ready for those questions, man. Get ready for them. <laughs> Ma'am, yeah, we did bring this out a little bit later, so please, Tron, if you, it, when it does come to a point where you're retired and you've had enough questions, let us know. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Keep them coming. Hey, how's it going, Tron? Great. I, uh, I met up with you at a couple of Lehigh crypto meetups. That's oh, great. It's been a while, but... Um, when you were at those meetups before, you kind of talked about Ravencoin, and I'm not sure if you already covered this uh, in this meetup, but and you kind of alluded to it in the previous question about um, the the coins being pre-mined. But my my, my main question is, um, I I thought I recall you talking about how the mining in Ravencoin is set up in a way. Uh, that it, it, it like doesn't it doesn't allow for or the algorithm prevents or, or tries to prevent um, people from continually upgrading the equipment so that yes. people yeah. who you're, you're not you're not having to compete on on, yeah. on upgrading equipment to have better yeah. hashing rates or something like that so maybe yep. you could kind of talk about that and about the pre pre mining that you kind of alluded to. Because I can't, sure. I can't remember kind of how you how you talked about okay. those things. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so there was no pre mining. Pre mining typically means that you mine. Uh, oh, so you, so you must have been talking about Ripple then. Is that what you were talking about? Uh, it, it was it was a question that um, two questions ago, but maybe maybe I misunderstood because I the thought girl? you had said that it was pre mined. 
Uh, Raven's not pre-mined. Okay. There are some other projects out there that did, uh, you know, that have done pre-mining. Basically, pre-mining is kind of a way to secure tokens for the for the team or development or for a bucket or for the company that built it or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, okay, but yeah, so there, there, there was no pre-mining on Raven. So, is it essentially a fork of Bitcoin, but then added upon, or is it completely its own code base? Uh, so it was a fork of Bitcoin, uh, okay, with some changes. So increase the block size, which was you know controversial, you know back at you know back right, in the day, right. uh, and then sped the blocks up. Uh, so you know one minute instead of ten minutes. So between those two changes, that added a, that, that was, makes it 20, 20x the capacity of, of Bitcoin, um, and it's been running just fine. I, I think there's you know I think the, either one of those parameters could probably be doubled again, uh, you know, sped up or more likely just a slightly larger block size. Um, so, uh, let's see. Oh, and then back to the mining. So, uh, we swapped out the mining algorithm for something that was uh, what we call ASIC resistant. So, there's nothing wrong with ASICs, but ASICs are customized machines for mining uh, Bitcoin. And Bitcoin went from being able to be mined on a computer to being able to be mined on a GPU to being able to be mined on FPGAs, which are uh, floating point gate arrays, to ASICs, which are just custom machines. That transition made it uh, so that uh, the, the speed of an ASIC is just thousands of times faster than what you can get out of a GPU. They're just custom-built machines that all they do is, is custom this SHA-256 hash in parallel. And what it means is unless you own one of those machines, uh, mining is really not practical. I mean, you, you pretty much need to just buy, uh, you know, at least a, some ASICs from somebody. Uh, some are better than others. Um, and so one of our goals, one of our design goals, uh, was to make it so that mining, it can be done by anyone, right? That has a, uh, Originally, you could mine with a CPU. So, there were, you know, the first version was, was, you know, just any computer. You just fire it up and download the software to turn itself to mine. So about the first maybe three or four months, and then they optimized it for GPUs, uh, which are just uh, graphics cards from NVIDIA and AMD. Um, and uh, it's been like that uh, pretty much the whole time. There was a, uh, an ASIC that kind of came around. It wasn't thousands of times faster, but it did give a boost, right? So you're competing against somebody, you know, if they're paying the same amount of electricity, but they've got this machine that's a little faster than you are. Uh, doesn't mean you don't earn some, but you're competing against people who have custom machines. And so we made a tweak uh, from X16R to X16R V2, and that was just sort of to break that ASIC. And then after that, they tweaked it again, and so it was sort of it's sort of a, a race, uh, you know, like a you know almost like virus and antivirus, sort of that type of cat and mouse game. And then uh, so we switched to what we hope will be the final solution, which is uh, Copal, and it's actually uh, derivative of ProgPow, which is derivative of what Ethereum uses. And the goal there was to use every bit of a video card, right? Just just to max it out, to use its memory, to use its processing, etc. cetera, uh, to make it so that if somebody created a custom machine that mined uh, Ravencoin using that same algorithm, they'd pretty much be building a custom machine that looked a lot like a video card. Only it's cheaper for people to build video cards, um, you know, NVIDIA and AMD for them to build video cards because they have economies of scale and stuff. So what we want to do is make it just impractical to uh, build an A6. 
ASIC and use an ASIC, and that makes it so that it's uh, pretty much fair, right? If you have a video card uh, or gaming machine, you can flip it on at night when you're not gaming and earn Raven, and you know, flip it back to gaming when you're ready to game, and and uh, you know, you can have ten of those machines or one or five or you know, or rack of them or whatever. Uh, but that you, you know, that you're not buying a custom machine that, that just kind of beats out everybody else. And those tend to cluster in. in uh, warehouses and things like that. So, you know, Bitcoin mining is mostly a, an industrial sport at this point, right? Where people right. are putting in big warehouses and, you know, next to hydro and things like that. Um, and we're, we're more of a, everybody can mine, flip on your machine and get some at night. So that's, that's what we'd like to keep it that way. So how, how, I'm not sure if you guys have been able to do any studies on it, but how have you seen its distribute nature compared to like Bitcoin, how how well is it distributed compared to it? If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, what I do know is that you can that it's relatively profitable. Um, to sorry, I, I mean, I mean, di- I mean, distributed like uh, like or decentralized. Like how yeah. how decentralized compared to Bitcoin because yeah. of the, the changes that you guys have made. Uh, I mean, if I had to guess, I would say, you know, if you picked all the, uh, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's hard to answer. Um, right. I, I was more curious if you guys had done any, any, any yeah. kind of research on it. No, not, not any, any in-depth in research. Uh, what I do know is that, you know, if you have a gaming rig and you have, uh, you know, you're not paying like ridiculous amounts of power, you know, price for power, like Hawaii or something like that, that it's profitable to mine. Okay. And then now my last question is, um, since it's a fork of Bitcoin, at what point, like, did it start from the, did you guys start from the beginning of the chain, like your own chain? Or yeah, it's, 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 its own chain. It's okay. Its own chain. So how so we, we, oh, sorry. We, yeah, we started a uh, brand new, we started on January 3rd, 2018, uh, which was Bitcoin's ninth birthday, uh, was when it started. Okay. So how many happenings has it gone through since its inception? The first happening is at the end of this uh, spaces. That T minus thirty that they're talking about for this for this particular talk that we're doing right here. Uh-huh. It, each day will be a new talk until the happening. So we're about thirty days away from the first happening. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Good to know. I might I might have to pick up some Raven. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Reed. That was nice. Thank you. Good questions there. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And uh, yeah, definitely, guys. T30, 30 days till the happening. So definitely be paying attention. Um, I believe I believe Fox Decoin was was up next on his question. Hello, guys. Uh, thanks for letting me speak. And again, uh, Blockchain John and Crypto Lisa, and I'd say Raven Market Man One. I don't know how to pronounce your other name. Uh, thanks for letting me speak here uh, again. Uh, and coming into the community. Uh, first thing I want to say to Trump Black is that I really appreciate all the work that you put into this coin. Uh, you've done a fantastic job, and even in the AMA, like explaining all the different asset classes and the restricted assets later on, it was really nice having you like answer questions that I had in my head later. So oh, thanks. Thanks. It's, it's been an honor to be part of this project. I mean, it's, it's been amazing. The community is amazing. Uh, you know, I feel blessed and honored to, to be able to do this. 
yeah, very impressive stuff. So, uh, I guess a question that I would have to you would be, you kept saying, like, if everybody agrees, and I guess my question to you would be, if everybody agreed, does Ravencoin have a particular idea that they would do a network upgrade to the point where everybody would need to agree to upgrade that wallet, which would kind of be a fork, right? Yeah, so so that that is uh, that's that's really the only way you can upgrade uh, the consensus rules is that uh, I'm going to say everybody will we, we actually uh, it ends up being uh, we set the threshold in the sort of eighty percent range of all the mined blocks. Um, so, uh, but we also uh, make sure that the that the economic actors are on board. Uh, the economic actors would be all of the. Uh, exchanges and, and payment gateways and things like that. Uh, for everybody else who's using it, uh, if they want to stay on the old chain, they can, but if all the miners, all the economic actors are on one side, uh, you know, pretty much it makes sense for, for everybody else to follow. Um, I mean, that's, that's the nature of blockchain, is uh, you can, you're free to run any code you want. In fact, you're even free to take the code, modify it however you want, and, and change it. Uh, but if you're using a different set of rules than everybody else, then you, you can, can end up on your own chain. And so you have your own Raven, but it you know, won't swap or trade or, or exchange with anybody else's Raven. Um, and that's true pretty much of pretty much you know, Bitcoin, Litecoin, everybody. Um, that's how the upgrades go. It's extraordinarily difficult uh, to do upgrades, and that's kind of by design. Um, it's not... It's not an easy thing to do and then also the people that do upgrade typically want to know you know what are the changes right if if, if we're doubling the amount of raven there will you know there will ever be uh you know pretty much everybody will disagree especially miners who you know want the price to stay high and whatnot uh and so we, we wouldn't be able to get an upgrade like that through so it's a it's kind of a uh, an agreement consensus and that's how upgrades are done Okay, uh, next question, because this is a follow-up to allude to blockchain, John's, like, you know, the question that he dropped on you uh, about, about the forking. So if everybody, let's say, did agree, like, let's say the whole community agreed and all the miners agreed, now all the exchanges are going to need to be upgraded. To allude to blockchain, John's question about what happens to his old, F, I'm sorry, his old NFT that he had on the, you know, basically dead chain. That basically copies over to the forked chain, and the old one is no longer used, but it still exists, and it just sits there, right? Yeah, so, uh, like I said, if you want to duplicate all the Raven you have, uh, you can make one consensus change to the code, and and then you can, you know, you can have all the Raven on one side, for everybody who agrees to that side, and all the Raven on the other side, everybody agrees to that side. Um, so anybody can split at, at any time by themselves, right? They don't need the agreement from anybody. They can just fork it. And now their copy has is you know, it wouldn't work with anybody else's. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the nature of the beast. And that's true of Bitcoin, right? If you if you take Bitcoin and you make one consensus change and you submit a transaction to your machine and it accepts it, you mine one block, you're on your own chain now because no one else is going to accept any uh, anything from from that anymore. Um, it's just kind of the nature of the of the of blockchain. 
Exactly. Well, I appreciate answering those two questions just because we did talk about this the other day in another group where if it did get copied, what would happen to that copy? My answer was that it would just kind of die because nobody would push those transactions anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's what you've done is copied the entire ledger, but since nobody else is using that ledger, it's basically just a big kind of data file full of you know, old data or non-used data. Wow, yeah, great questions, Fox T. You and I have had some private talks, and man, I appreciate what you've got to offer for the community as a whole. Uh, Mateo, you're up next, my man, before you come on. Uh, again, you guys, we've, we've got some giveaways going on. If you check out the pin tweets in the top, lots of giveaways going on. So participate away, comment, drop your addresses. Let's go. Thanks so much for doing this, Tron. I appreciate uh, you coming on, taking your time to discuss some things with the community. Um, I fell in love with Ravencoin initially. Uh, I've been a 20-plus year equity derivatives futures commodities trader. I uh, got into crypto about two years ago in DeFi. I uh, fell in love with Ravencoin in regards to um, transaction costs initially. Um, my first question is in regards to the global TAM for offshore sports book casino transaction costs. Uh, they've always been astronomical. Currently, I get paid out in Ethereum, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Bitcoin SV, Bitcoin Cash. Raven saves the consumer and the businesses massive amounts of money. Uh, I understand that we are not a corporation. We don't have a marketing team. Uh, you know, we don't have a board. We have, we have to do this ourselves. Um, but do you have any ideas uh, or thoughts on this massive, massive total addressable market? Uh, for for uh, sports betting? For sports betting, for uh, uh, offshore casinos, because um, right now they're accepting, like I said, those coins. They'll pay you yeah. out in those coins. We'll receive yeah. those coins. Uh, Raven coins save them a ton of money. Then it also saves the consumer massive money just in transaction costs alone yeah uh so I, you know i mean the ones that have really high transaction costs you know are, are ethereum and bitcoin uh bitcoin cash pretty reasonable um you know there's there's some other litecoin pretty reasonable i mean we can definitely uh you know be we've got high high liquidity i mean it can definitely participate in those i mean if, if any of the anybody wants to add those as a as an option um it, it probably puts a little bit of scrutiny on on the platform, but you know, I mean, I think I mean all, all of those are all doing kind of the same thing. Um, so it's an equity business of mine. So I I've been speaking to a few of them, uh, you know, trying to to work something out, and I know they've been speaking about uh, possibly adopting Raven. So yeah, uh, you know, I, I wanted to get your thoughts about that. And uh, I know there's only so much you can say about DraftKings or FanDuel with the legalization because it's very much speculative right now. Um, but do we have any thoughts about going in that area as well? In the uh, United States? Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with, you know, kind of the Black Friday and then shutting down the original Black, you know, um, Poker sites and things like that, uh, and, and crypto kind of like you know, kind of has the ability to kind of you know act as the as the value transfer. Um, I think I think Raven uh, you know has has that ability. Uh, it's not something that, that you know I, 
don't see it. I don't see it as a problem if if okay. uh, if Raven's participating in in that same as same as Litecoin or or any of these other ones. Right. Well, Bitcoin Cash is not even convertible in a lot of these uh, central exchanges now. Uh, last question, because I know that uh, you, you've been on here a long time. Um, you know, Pat Burns, one of my favorites, uh, leaves his, his baby overstock uh, to help with the CIA's true patriot. Um, yeah. I'm not going to tell you what my thesis is, because I believe we'll be paid back for being a patriot by the government. Um, but what is his involvement currently in Ravencoin at this time? Uh, so I'm not sure. I mean, I know he has said uh, on multiple occasions that he's basically that when he when he left, he basically converted uh, everything to uh, to gold, silver, Bitcoin, and Ravencoin. Uh, I have no insight. I, I didn't help him or anything like that, so I have no insight on, on it as to whether how much he's holding or, or anything like that. Yeah. But but I'm, but I'm a big Patrick fan. Uh, as yes. Well. Yes. Thank you so much, Tron. I appreciate it. And we're going to knock him dead. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the question. <laughs> All right. Mateo, always awesome, dude. I'm so glad that you wanted to come up as a speaker because you are, you've got a good mind for a lot of this and you definitely are moving forward on things. So, so thank you for your contributions. Um, we got Adam. You've been, you were waiting on, on the, on the bubble there for a minute. So you can come on and, and hop up next, my man. <laughs> no worries, Evan. Evan, go ahead and take the floor, my man. Hey, can you hear me? Absolutely. Uh, hello, everybody. Um, thank you for putting this on. Uh, Tron, I have a lot of questions I could probably ask you about the burn and take up a whole lot of time, but I'm only going to save two questions. Um, one's about burning, sort of, and another is just an off-the-wall question. Um, would you agree that miners are the actors that secure the network? Uh, yeah, for, for, for the most part. Um, I think everybody uh, who runs nodes, uh, including economic actors, etc., uh, also secure the network. In other words, if, if, if all the economic actors went one way, I think that it's, you know, it's, it's a counterbalance. It's also a little bit like a... Um, shared power uh, between the economic actors and the miners, but yeah, I, I agree that miners help secure the network. Well, that, that answer fits perfectly. I don't have to ask the second part of that. I can jump to the third. So, would you be open to uh, listening to entertaining the possibility of creating a type of a drip for the node runners that comes from taking, let's say, 10% of the Raven burned in a given block for asset creation? to fund it out evenly across the nodes as a, just like a, hey, you're running, here's a very small bit just to kind of help cover maybe some electricity fees or VPS fees or whatever. That's like an automated process, kind of like yeah. the miners get block rewards and the node runners would get a drip based off a small percentage of rate and burn from asset creation. So there's a, so the only downside to that is one, is one of the reasons that miners exist and one of the reasons that that uh, mining is done via hashes as sort of a lottery system, and that is uh, the ability to spin up nodes in VMs uh, makes it 
a sort of a centralized type thing. So if you said, oh, we'll give you, I don't pick a number, you know, one, one raven per you know, hour or day or something like that, um, it'd be fairly easy for someone who has, you know, big powerful machines to basically spin up nodes and kind of dominate the network that way uh, just because it's a scriptable thing. And I think if that wasn't the case, that I think mining would basically be done uh, just by people running nodes, right? It'd be just like, oh, whoever's run nodes, we can randomly select between all the node runners. Um, but because it is so, uh, because it's able to be gained uh, fairly easily by just ramping up machines, uh, I worry about that. But, so if, it, if there was a way around gaming it in that sense, then it might be more entertainable because um, I have some computational math software that it, it's it's hardware locked to your machine, so I can't go you know download it on another computer, sign into it, and it'll run. It's it'll be bricked on any other machine. So, is there any way to implement that type of of hardware locking to where even if you do spin up a VM, it still locates maybe its particular hardware address on the on the hosting machine, so that this could be a possibility? Because I get that question a lot by people: is or is there any incentives for running a node? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's possible. Um, I know that, you know, since I was in software for a long time, I've tried to, you know, try to uh, software to kind of prevent you know, piracy and, you know, things like that. Um, it, it's pretty difficult to kind of prove a hardware lock uh, over a network. In other words, um, even, 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 you know, there, there was originally, I mean, there was like expensive software back in the 90s, and you, you have a hardware lock and you like have, you know, on the parallel port or USB port or something like that. And one of the problems was is that you could, if you wanted to get around it, you could basically go in, edit it with a, you know, with a uh, assembly language editor, and wherever it eventually, I mean, it would check the hardware lock, check it was the right brand, check it was the right number, check it was unique, all that kind of stuff. But eventually, there's one test that says, is it valid? Is all that valid? Right there, you just flip the switch and you just say, that's ah, it's valid, and it wouldn't matter what the hardware lock was on there. Um, if there was a way to do that, I mean, I'm, I'm not against that, uh, but I don't think right now that we have a problem with amount of nodes run, meaning uh, there's been a lot of generous people uh, you know, run, running nodes just to kind of secure the network that way. Okay, so basically, if you can come up with a way to to prevent the gamification of running nodes for incentives, not only would you kind of revolutionize a way to do that, but it would be more of a viable option. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think you could. Have, I mean, if you actually could make it not, you know, that you couldn't game it, right? You couldn't spoof it, uh, basically. Couldn't spoof it. Uh, I think you could create a. Uh, I mean, I think you could create actually a network. Uh, you know, without having to use mining, right? I mean, mining does use a lot of power. Um, you know, proof of stake basically kind of does that similar type of thing, only they basically say, hey, put put your coins at risk, right? And that way, if you kind of tamper with it or do something, you know, we don't want you to do, you basically get those taken, you know, those funds get, you know, kind of like seized, if you will. Uh, that's sort of what proof of stake is. Uh, but I think if you, if you can make it not gameable, I think you could make an entire network uh, that, that didn't need mining, as long as you could kind of uh, make sure all the nodes are fair. But it's and, really hard to do over the network. Okay, interesting. Thank you. And then, so, 
my, my last question, and I think this might be a hard one to answer publicly, but we don't know. With Raven being based on Bitcoin code and sharing a lot of its ethos and fundamentals, um, do you have any thoughts on whether or not Craig Wright is Satoshi Nakamoto? <laughs> I have to ask, based on Bitcoin, so... So, yeah. 
opportunity. I think, especially for Ravens, since it does have name recognition, minor support, it could it could really be a big opportunity. And you don't have to bet Coinbase and whoever else to list them. Um, and for Trauma, I'm curious, is there a way to, you know, we're going to tokenize all these assets. That's great. How do we trust? How do we trustlessly exchange them? Yeah. Uh, so we do have. Um, uh, one second. It's. Raven Trader. Sure. Raven now, is Trader. this like a? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, so Raven, Raven Trader lets you uh, basically take an asset and say, I, you know, I want to, I want to, uh, you know, I'll sell this for X amount of Raven, and you basically are kind of putting up a half-signed uh, transaction, and so Raven Trader just kind of shows those half-signed transactions, and other people can go complete the other half of the transaction, uh, and and supply the Raven, and it does an atomic swap. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we do have something. Uh, I, I understand what you're saying. I think some of the some of the automatic market maker stuff with the DeFi and things like that, pretty cool stuff. Um, and I would like to, you know, once we have the P2SH, we may get something where we can hop uh, assets over onto Binance Smart Chain or Ethereum or something like that, uh, where it can participate in the, in, in the AMMs. Um, but for now, we have the ability to do a, a trustless uh, exchange of assets for Raven. Okay. Well, cool deal. Thank you so much for taking my questions. I really appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. All right. AG, always with some good questions, dude. You and I have had a couple conversations, and yeah, I, I appreciate you. Um, Mark Azano, you, uh, you're back up. Do you have another question? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, throw your hand up, I guess, if you really, if you do need a, if you do have another question, if you do have something else for us. No, okay, no worries. Um, well, guys, let's, let's see, yeah, it looks like we've got Chase Smith here that looks like he needs, needs a question answered, so let's see what you got, Chase. Sorry, Mark Azano, we'll have you, we'll have you up next on that, my bad. Chase, you're muted. I, I don't know if you know that. Oh, all right. No worries. Mark Azano looked like you had another question there. Were you requested at all? another question am i up is that what i'm am i missing something oh yeah no go, go ahead actually yeah go ahead chase you got the floor my man Um, we, we 
all kind of have this idea as, as ETH decides to move over to staking and, and um, Ethereum starts to, to go away from the mining aspect. Obviously, the miners need a home. You know, as a, as a Raven enthusiast, I'm hoping that that's us. But the, the question is, um, with the, the migration of a, a bunch of mining to Ravenpoint, assuming the price follows and all of the things that could possibly happen, um, do you foresee a, a large influx of mining presenting any technical issues on the blockchain uh, in the future? Yeah, I don't see a problem with uh, with more miners. Um, I, I think they can come in uh, without problems. Uh, we, we can we, that shouldn't be a problem. Uh, I mean, basically, somebody's going to figure out one within a minute, and so it's really just that that gets submitted to the network. Um, if there's two, it's basically temporarily forks, but that gets resolved in the next minute when somebody builds on top of it. So I don't see that as a problem. More miners should be fine. Uh, one thing that that Know, is likely to happen unless the price uh, you know goes up with with the amount you know because of the additional security and more miners and, and even really more people knowing about Raven which is certainly a possibility right as they're like as they're looking for a new home and saying what's next um, uh, you know that, that could you know the price could go up and kind of absorb that extra mining but I mean if, if the mining doubles uh, you know it'll become and the price doesn't change then it becomes less profitable so Somewhere there's a balance, uh, and I don't know where that ends up leveling out. Uh, but you know, it'll automatically adjust uh, the difficulty every block. Uh, right. With HEW. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think I think it'll balance out wherever that natural market is. Uh, my my only other question that I had, as far as you know, everybody's had quite a few good questions in front of me here, so um, I, I wanted to touch base on the the listing on some of these other exchanges. So. The, the Raven Core Wallet is obviously unique comparatively to, you know, just buying some of these other coins that don't have a, a tokenization asset. Do you think that maybe that's playing a role, or if there's something that needs ironed out there before these exchanges can figure out how to integrate that into their system? And it's possible, although because uh, Raven Coin, uh, its DNA is Bitcoin, uh, it's going to be the same as. And, and maybe they don't know this, but I think at least for the ones where they ask the questions, I've you know I've let them know uh, in the form. Uh, but it, it's the same as Bitcoin, it's the same as Litecoin, it's the same as Dogecoin. You know, I mean, it, it, now it's not an ERC twenty, and you know they've probably gotten to the point where they can just add the name, uh, you know, and, and contract ID for for some of the ERC twenties. So it might not be that easy because they will need to run a node. Uh, also for uh, for. Coinbase, uh, there was a specific code that they needed written, and that's been written. And so I've actually submitted Ravencoin to Coinbase twice because the second time I needed to let them know that the that the uh, that the code had been written for them uh, and was ready to go. Um, Got it. So they and, and it's sort of an abstraction layer, um, and we had to tweak it a little bit, you know, to any, isolate any differences between, let's say, Bitcoin and, and Ravencoin, but. It, it, you know, it's an abstraction layer that abstracts all those differences. Right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the more exchanges we can get it on, the more exposure that it gets. So I, I just didn't know, being as though it's, I'm not near as technical as a lot of the folks on the, on the chat, um, but I, I do understand that the way that the Ravencore wallet kind of interacts is pretty unique comparatively to a lot of the other blockchains. Um, it doesn't it doesn't seem to function quite the same as simply going on one of the exchanges and using one of their custody wallets. So I didn't know if that presented any issues or yeah, it should, that was a should, from the exchange's perspective, it should be identical to, to Bitcoin, meaning the, the RPC calls and things like that are identical to Bitcoin. But most
most of the extensions for assets have just been additions. Okay, got it. All right, thank you so much. You bet, thank you. Good questions, good questions, good questions. Uh, I'll say, guys, we're starting to uh, we're starting to run into the two-hour mark, uh, a bit longer than what we thought. So, what we got here with Marcazano and Cosmic will be will be the last ones. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate all the input, guys. Fantastic questions. This one's really enriching. Mine was more so just a spur of the moment thing. Whenever everyone was talking about, um, I was right there. Um, hardware. Um, one concern I would bring up is I like the fact that Ravenpoint works on Windows, Linux, and Mac, and if you were to implement something like that, um, I just wanted to comment at the time and couldn't and say, um, for stuff like that, it sounds like it's something that might be Windows-based, I don't know, question mark, uh, but just to consider all the platforms, there's things out there that are Windows-only, like Gods Unchained and Axie Infinity and stuff that I really would like to take part in, but I can't because... I'm on Linux exclusively. I don't have Windows, and I really don't want to pay for it just to get access to some of these things. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, no, I, th I think if there was a way to do that, I mean, I, I would, you know, I would probably look at creating, a, you know, potentially creating a whole coin based on that, you know, that novel idea of being able to protect it like that. Um, yeah, it, 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 I just think it would. It would solve one of the problems that I think Satoshi was looking at, which was, you know, the idea that if you just did it by node, like randomly select node to get the reward, uh, it could be gained. Uh, and so if you could solve that, I think uh, even some other coin could kind of use that, use that as, a, as a way. But I think it's very, I think it's very difficult to do over a network, something that you can't, uh, I mean, that each node doesn't know that the hardware is on the other node. So... That, that's the trick, right? Is yeah. that over the network, uh, you know, you can spoof any of them. Not only that, you'd have to do it in a cross platform manner. Yeah. That was it. Thank you. Thanks. Beautiful mind as always, man. Um, one thing, um, I just, a, just a soft correction on something, and I know it's hard to keep up with all the different marketplaces popping up and everything that's happening, but we have six active marketplaces right now with uh, with Ravencoin assets. So if anybody ever needs any of those, um, a couple of them are actually in here. RBNFT is, is one, and he's extremely supportive. So if anybody has any kind of request or needs help on creating an NFT, I know he's been extremely helpful. Um, I sent someone over to him earlier today, actually, that is looking to tokenize their music and that's something that I think is going to lead very heavily is music so that I just wanted to chime that in real quick again Tron I know it's hard to keep track of all these damn marketplaces popping up <laughs> well, uh, with that said I appreciate that if, if anybody you know looks on the Ravencoin Foundation footer and says hey why why am I or my site or this site not represented there uh, just let me know. I can I can add the sites there. Um, so I kind of want that to be a place, not the only place, but a place where people can come and then spoke out to the various different uh, you know, ecosystem and sites that are that are around. So if something's missing, let me know. You really speak to the heart of decentralization, Tron, and it, and it shows in your actions and your words. So so thank you. Um, yeah, Cosmic Druid, you're up, man. Oh, good, good evening, everyone. 
want to uh, thank everyone for, for, for being in here. It's, it's a lot of um, good questions, and, and thank you, Tron, for, for all the wonderful answers. Just great. Um, I wasn't expecting to actually speak tonight. I just was actually enjoying myself listening. But uh, I'm working with um, a few people you, you know. One is called Push uh, Adam of Ravenclaws and um, the, Wall, the uh, Wall Street um, version 2 pools, as well as um, another... So, if you really want to be decentralized, one of the one of the most important aspects is communication. So, if you have many different smaller pools that are communicating together and sharing resources, that's that's what decentralizing is all about, right? So, I've been helping them. I've been helping out um, Adam from uh, the Wall Street uh, to be uh, setting up the next version of the Ravencoin OS, you know, uh, as well as. Um, Porting it to certain other Linux distributions like uh, Ubuntu and CentOS so that people could just download it by to their Windows machine install it, install it and have uh, the Raven node and IPFS up and running, you know, without a lot of work. So that's what we're really doing in the background. I just wanted to let everyone know what we're up to. That's awesome. Thanks for, thanks for letting us know. Okay. Thanks a lot for hearing me. Appreciate it. Have a good night. <laughs> Yeah, that's the kind of chilling that I can hear. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 can actually speak, I can actually speak to that. I was one of the lucky ones that received one of the Wall Street Cash NFTs as a result of running a node and mining on that network. So if you're, um, I don't know if he's actually distributing it. I don't know if he's actually distributing it before it reaches 10 gigahash, but I do see the Wall Street coin NFT or asset is being distributed. Um, I have been mining on that pool for a little bit and brought a couple of friends with me. Um, and I think he's got plans for once they've reached 10 gigahash on the pool, um, then they'll be able to use the pool fees to um, be able to provide more incentive for people to mine on the pool. Yeah, that's basically uh, my understanding is what, what Push Adam is, is, is trying to accomplish. So um, I'm actually one of the, quote, official staff uh, members. I like to, I'd rather work in the background. You know, I'm, a, I, I'm a, an IT guy of 21 plus years. I've got like 10 plus years of decentralization, but I'm used to working, uh, assisting others to, you know, uh, keep the infrastructure working. I'm not used to speaking as much, but I was told I need to speak, so here I am. So Maybe at some point we can get together later because I was trying to uh, learn from uh, Psychedelic Spectrum to see how I could set up a Ravencoin pool because I wanted to understand the steps and possibly document it and try and help out, help to decentralize the network by being able to provide that documentation. 
Uh, yeah, actually, I'll, I'll let him know. Um, I, I see, I see you speaking. I'll, I'll, I'll add you as Asia. Uh, sorry, I'll add you as a friend, and I'll let him know that you're looking to speak to him. He's the one that helped, uh, basically, um, Adam or push to help set up the pool and link them all together. So he knows what he's doing now, and he set up a, a form of template system, so it's really easy to create a pool. So that's wonderful news. I'll let him know. Yeah. But yeah, I've been in touch with him. Um, oh, he's taking some time right now because he's dealing with the, the tornadoes right now. Really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's thanks for reminding me. That's the other thing I was supposed to tell him. The reason why he's not speaking is because he got stuck with the tornadoes. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. It's gonna be the completion of day number one of T minus thirty Ravencoin meetup. We're gonna be doing this every day until the happening, which is coming up. Tomorrow's event is going to be the Ravencoin, a fork of Bitcoin designed to transfer assets plus P2SH update. Speaking of P2SH, that was like the golden nugget, Tron. I was hoping that somebody would ask, when P2SH? Yeah, so uh, the code is complete. It's actually been complete for quite a while. It's gone through uh, a couple of security reviews or security review by, uh, by ISC.io. Uh, it's in there. Uh, there is testing going on right now for a 4.7. Uh, so if you want to join in, uh, you can do that. If you go into uh, development meetings under Discord, uh, the link is there uh, for where to test. Uh, and you can just test that, that version. Uh, we'll probably uh, activate the, the beginning date where it can start counting blocks of how many people have mined the block, and that's the part that it needs to get. 75 to 80 percent. Uh, that'll probably start at right after the happening, uh, probably uh, either late January or early February. And then after that, it's just a matter of communicating and making sure we need to make sure uh, that all the economic actors uh, have switched over because uh, we don't want it to trigger until we've got all the exchanges and everybody uh, on board. Um, so when that time comes, I can use everybody's help in kind of uh, communicating that. Perfect. All right, so with that said, the legendary Tron Black, thank you for being with us here in Twitter Spaces for day number one of T-30. With that said, we had about, I think, thank you, I think we reached uh, somewhere way past 200 listeners, possibly closer to 300 listeners. That was awesome. This is what it's about. This is what the goal was, and we accomplished it. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Quote Think. Thank you. Crypto listen, everybody else that's here today, I'll see you all tomorrow. Until next time, stack sets and huddle. Adios. Bye, everybody. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. You guys rock. Oh, by the, night, by the way, by the way, I forgot to mention, if you want, the, uh, if you want to see the YouTube video, because I recorded this, go to C3 Media YouTube channel, right? This is all recorded. Bye. Buy John's book. Buy my book. <laughs>